You're listening to the Saturday Morning D&D Show with Jordan, the PH is silent, and Sir Lucian. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan, with a silent PH in the middle, and I am joined by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Uh, apologies, we had some... I had some audio issues, and Lucian had some video issues, and so we were trying to last minute figure everything out. So this is the Saturday Morning Technical Difficulty Show. For five minutes. Yeah. (laughs) Every week. Every week. Um, Yeah. Lots of stuff to go over. There is lots of stuff to go over. It's pretty crazy. Um, And I apologize. So you were uh, very much echoed through that entire thing. That was on my bad. But I fixed it. I fixed it. And I believe... We're good, but the audio is not synced, and that is probably because it's going through so many other filters. This is not my day. <laughs> well, and the reason is we were playing around. You were playing with new settings and stuff for your show, and then on last Sunday when we didn't do a show, I decided to stream playing World of Warcraft, so I changed my stream settings, and I think so when we got to today, stuff's interfering, <laughs> and I'm figuring it out as we're talking. Yeah, and that's the problem is I, I'm also figuring it out. This was working yeah. so well the other day. No, but not we today. Had it, but it was just so close. <laughs> not today. Um, Almost there. We might just be out of sync, guys. I'm not sure. As long as you can hear us, um, we're probably just going to have our video not like totally sync up. So, uh, and I apologize, but that's kind of what we got right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they were like, "You're going into a black hole, Lucian," and I was like, "Oh no, I'm so sorry." <laughs> Um, not the black hole. Not the black hole. But yeah, I I like uh, specifically the class grouping I thought was kind of fun. Um, and this harkens back to fourth edition where you had controllers. I think it, they were leaders, like leaders, controllers, and strikers. And maybe there was another one for like tanks or something. I can't remember. Um, but if you were a striker then your class was very much like high burst damage on one target. And if you were a controller, you did a lot of things like like manipulate the battlefield. Um, and mm-hmm. so paladins could be controllers because they could pull people out of the way or soak damage or kind of like adjust monsters on the battlefield. Wizards were controllers because they could also like move people around and things like that. Um, and it was... It was just kind of cool. So all of that. And then we have, uh, and there, it seems like they're doing a similar thing where you have bard, ranger, rogue, our experts, sorcerer, warlock, and wizard are mages. Not to the degree of fourth edition where it's really like, this is your play style, but now you could have a feat that says this feat is just for mages or this mm-hmm. feat is just for priests or something. And uh, I like that. I think that's kind of cool. Because it simplifies the text, and there's a lot of simplifying the text. As I go through mm-hmm. here, like a lot of the bard changes are just kind of like, oh, well, that makes sense, and that's kind of cool. And they got rid of a lot of different things, like, uh, what was it, like cutting, cutting words or something? You can deduct the amount of, uh, uh, like, you roll your bardic inspiration, and you, and you subtract it from the attack to see if it hits kind of a thing. And and a lot of and it, and that might still be in there later on. I'm not really sure. But with this bardic inspiration, they're just like if if somebody takes damage, you can roll that and heal it. So it kind of is. Well, it's not similar as cutting words because you're like negating the attack with cutting words. But I like the idea of you're not subtracting, you're not doing all this other stuff. It's just like, well, I'm going to do this on top of what you did, kind of a thing. Um, and it has the same outcome in the end of I'm negating damage. Uh, but it just feels like it's kind of it just feels cleaned up, and I kind of like that. Short sword is now not a martial weapon, if I'm understanding this. So they're changing how the the yeah, weapons like weapon. are classified. Well, it's just yeah. a, a basic weapon. I don't think it was oh, a basic so you could weapon get before. It, so you could get it right away. So anybody who has basic weapon expertise, which is all classes, I think, could use mm-hmm. a short sword, which is kind of nice. Um. And then, yeah, I don't know. They And they have a lot of stuff underlined. And I think the underlying stuff is, like, what they're changing or, like, we should look into that. Uh, 
teleportation magic, swim speed. Yeah, this was a lot of things. I did not do my homework, guys. I was sick. I feel really <laughs> bad. Um, I also really like they call it armor training because it's no longer armor proficiency because then people were kind of like, well, do I add my proficiency to my armor? I don't really know. And so now it's like they call it training. And again, this is all just kind of let's clean up the language. But it's like, yeah. hey, the training is here because uh, you either have training in it or you don't. And it's uh, light armor, medium armor, heavy armor, and shield. So, like, can you use a shield is part of armor training. But was that in 5e? Like, is shield a separate proficiency? I don't remember. I thought it was just, like, bundled in with... It probably is. Because I feel like you could have light armor and shield, but you can't necessarily have... Um, I, I think it's always bundled with heavy armor, but I was wondering about that. Yeah, and it made it made it sound like they wanted to. I feel like the changes are a way to get the um, weapons to fit, not only with the classes they're talking about and who they want the classes to get them in the beginning proficiencies, like your shield proficiency that you're talking about, but also to fit the new way they want to do the feats. And so that they match the feats because they've really reorganized how kind of some of those feats are working. And I think shield has a kind of a rework and a, a rewording because so many people were taking things like shield master and, and these other things. And it wasn't quite clear, you know, where some of those things were. Right. Yeah. So it's like, it was kind of a little confusing in some ways when you took some of those. Um, so I'm and interested we'll... to see it's so many changes that I'm trying to remember which ones are which without having a direct comparison, like going back and forth, back and forth, like I'm yeah. sure somebody has done. But off of just what I was reading, it was just like little minor changes so that they work better with feats or it makes more sense. Just like um, the, the prime example of this was they were talking about the feat for Spell Sniper. And one of the comments was, well, I'm, I'm so glad that I don't have to take Crossbow Expert now with my Spell Sniper because what they did is they moved the one little piece in crossbow master that said, if you're within five feet of an enemy, you don't get disadvantage for shooting at. Oh. For shooting whilst within five feet of an enemy. So what people were doing is they were taking, they, they were shooters, they were archers or they were spellcasters, but they didn't want that disadvantage. So they would dip into crossbow expert to get the, the thing they needed so they could fire their spells within five feet of somebody or fire their bow or cross oh, a range spell within but five still feet. take yeah. sharpshooter or spell because a ranged attack or, and a ranged spell attacker yeah. okay that makes sense so they they split that out so they they're recognizing some of these feats that were worded weird and you were trying to get specific things for it because you had no other option it's not like you could go to another spot where all the spellcaster feats were and you could pick that up it was only in this crossbow expert for some reason right it wasn't even in sharpshooter so now it's in yeah. sharpshooter now it's in spell sniper now it's in them so it's things like that or even when they were talking about um how they changed like durable and they wanted to make these feats that he said they went jeremy in in the video said they went back to every single feat that they've ever shown in the uh -huh. book and they're reworking or rethought about them or had a meeting about them to say is this doing what we want it to do should we reword it in some way to make it so that it's not just a feat that nobody would take because the way it's written doesn't make any sense. So they started adding in things that would make you consider taking it. So like the, I think the durable one is the example of they said in that one, they added a piece where like, I don't know, as a bonus action. It says as a, a bonus action, you can expend one of your hit die, hit dice. roll it and then regain Heal. that number of hit points. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a really, that makes it compelling versus what it was before. Right. So if you read the before one, it and wasn't. it says advantage on death saving throws. Yeah. And I'm noticing yeah. a lot of these also have increase your con or increase your decks by one. So mm -hmm. if you, if you want to have that cool thing, you're not also limited by, oh, but I don't get... But um, I just want my plus one ability yeah. score. So I'm getting both. I'm getting ability score, which I want to increase, but I'm getting a benefit that I enjoy or can use yeah. somehow which with is my something character. I, I looked at feats, and I really like feats that do that because when you're, when you're optimizing as a player, like you mm -hmm. look a lot and you're like, well, you're right, I could put two in here, but it's going to bump it to a 17 instead of a 15. 
I really just want to put one in there and then I would, <laughs> I would be okay getting, you know, an extra thing. Like I don't need two yeah. ability score improvements this level, yeah. you know, next level, maybe I do, but. And so it, it definitely sounds like this version. I like what you said because when you started talking about this reminds me a little bit of a fourth edition. And I get that sense a little bit too that they're gamifying, codifying certain things that we either house ruled or table ruled or interpreted in such a way that we thought that's what it was. And I think they're going back and really making sure that, that this is, says what it is. But also expanding feats because you're going to get class feats at certain levels and you're going to have class specific feats or you might have class group specific feats like you mentioned and then reworking the feats that exist so that they match knowing you're going to be getting class feats and class group feats and all these other things yeah. that you might be able to choose and the another big change was the taking the level 20 capstone ability and moving it to level 18 and then yeah. allowing you like a list of level 20 or no, it was like you could take a Epic Boons or something. Yeah, from, they have from, a whole bunch of like, they they turned like Epic Boons into uh, feats is what, what it kind of looks yeah. like. So, yeah. So one thing I would recommend everybody do, because you're going to get a lot of hot takes, you're going to get a lot of uh, video stuff on it today. One thing that I thought was super important that they said is be sure that as you're reading the playtest rules, they are adjusting some rules from the previous playtest for this playtest. An example is the crit roll rule. Yeah. They went back to original playtest of the crit roll rule during this portion of the playtest when you were doing the other crit roll rule that was during the other playtest they had just done before this one. So yeah. I think that's going to be a little confusing if you don't keep track of that. So you might want to just be sure that you're checking the rule set that they want you to test while they're giving you the options of classes or subclasses or whatever, because they're trying to specifically say, what do you think of this combination of things? Give us your feedback on this. And it's very clear that they're going to throw some stuff in that could be wildly too powerful or not enough yeah. just to see what feedback is coming back. So don't don't jump on this like, oh my God, they're changing D&D and we're never going to like it. It's going to be the no, best it, thing ever. It's a test of what happens if we put a parameter to this level. What what Give real feedback, not just your theory crafting feedback. Like your real, I play tested it. We tried it out. We rolled through it a couple of times to see what happened. Test and then give the feedback on it. And then they can evaluate, is it, where can we put it? Where could we tone it down? Do we take it out? You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and I I think from my limited uh, knowledge of playtesting, a lot of times I've heard that you do make it way too powerful because then mm -hmm. you can actually see, like, oh, not only is this fun, you know, but, like, okay, it's overpowered to the point where everybody's going to choose this, but now that you know mm -hmm. that it's, like, they, it's a positive reaction overall. You just need to like crank the volume down a little bit. And yeah. so, and, and that's a lot easier know. than being like, I don't know, I guess it was okay. Well, was it okay because it was underpowered or, you know, and so now you need yeah. to know like, oh, they do like this. We just have to, we have to yeah. lower it. So, yeah. And if you put it at a 10 and, and you see where the problems are because you saw what the 10 was, I think you can make a better judge of what does it look like when it's a nine? What does it look like when it's an eight? What does it look like when it's a seven? Because we went all the way to the extreme and said, this is where it really breaks and see how it breaks and why it breaks. And now that we know that, we know how to tune it so it won't break because we know what happens when it breaks. If it's too underpowered and it's not really used and utilized, you don't know where the breaking point would be. So you don't have an idea of where you could tune it to because you don't know where it's going to break. So I, I agree with you on that. And I think that comes from you, you test things. So you have a testing mind. Your, your job had been. Well, yeah, I was a QA for a things, long time. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, yeah. So you have the mindset of this. I don't think everybody that has a YouTube channel out there that's putting videos out on D D rule changes has the test mind mentality, which is what they really should have. If you're going to be taking part in the one D and D play test. Um, yeah. But, you know, hey, another thing you <laughs> you're right. Yeah. And actually that brings up something that I was talking about with some other friends is that um, we're calling this a play test. And yes, some people are probably playing and running this, but the vast amount of people that are submitting the responses to Wizards of the Coast are not playing it. 
they're mm. reading it or they're watching another YouTuber read it and they're like, yeah, that kind of makes Classic. sense. And then they give their opinion. And I don't think that's necessarily wrong because I think Wizards of the Coast knows this. And specifically, they have internal playtesters. They have a core team of NDA signed people that are also actively running this stuff. I think the purpose of this is transparency and to understand like, oh, they really don't like it when we took crits away from Dungeon Masters. <laughs> and I do think that's what it is. So it, I, it's good. I think you should go out and I think you should um, do the uh, like play it if you want. But at least mm -hmm. read it and then give your hot take feedback because part of that feedback is just like, oh, and then maybe later on you can you can actually play it and be like, oh, I was wrong. This actually works mm -hmm. really well or something. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but I think you're 100% right. Don't look at this and say, oh, this is going to be. Um, this is what the rules this are. This is like in stone. It's not yeah. at all. Here's, like, we're not playing yet. Uh, and, but more all, it's like, do you like the feel of this? And that's kind of what I was mm -hmm. thinking, because it's like, I like the feel of the bard changes. I think mm -hmm. the language is kind of cleaned up and it just kind of like, oh, no, that kind of makes sense. And um, more flexibility with magical secrets where you're not choosing one or two spells that you have forever you're choosing a spell list and you can kind of take extra spells from that spell list and i thought that was fun so yeah i don't know I, I i like i like it so far and i think it does backwards compatible work very well in mm -hmm. the sense uh i was also talking to people where excuse me but that they keep saying everything's going to be backwards compatible like it's still going to work with fifth edition and i'm like guys i think we need to understand that it's when they say that what they're really saying is these new characters can work in older versions or older adventures that we've published for fifth edition. But I don't think you could make a, we'll see when this finally comes out, but I don't think you could make a player's handbook one original, like 2014 player's handbook, uh, like Ranger and have it do really, really well in a new, uh, adventure that they publish that has a lot of these new features and stuff simply because these are going to be more powerful characters than before. So, uh, Yeah, I yeah. feel like that's what I've seen too. I feel like the characters are gaining power overall just as a, as, a, as a medium. It doesn't feel like this is a pull the character power down thing. This is a characters yeah. are improving, if not staying the same, but at least improving if, if anything is changing. And then the other thing, I feel like there's complexity being added in, which is, I think my first take is great because I love complexity, but I'm also a player that's been here since the beginning of 5e now. And so more complexity and more options are things that I want because I've been playing for so long. But I do wonder where do we hit that point again where somebody who's new comes in and we've got, you know, uh, five pages of feats. We were talking about a little bit with Pathfinder 2e. There are so many feats you can choose in Pathfinder and there are so many different things you can do in the Pathfinder class build that you're starting to inch towards, is this too complicated for somebody who's not played, you know, or, or, yeah. not, or are we there yet? Or are we close? Well, and I, I already feel like we're there yet there for <laughs> 5e because when I introduced D and D in at the beginning, it was like, here's the player's handbook. And you had your, here's my, I want to be a ranger or yeah, I'll use ranger. Like I want to be a ranger. And they're like, here are your three options. And you're like, Oh, and at level three, you were like, okay, yeah, I actually, I, I really like using my bow in levels one, two, and three. I'm going to choose this. But nowadays I'll start with new players. And it's a prime example of our new player um, mm -hmm. at my black company game, because mm -hmm. we started at him at level five. Because he wanted to, like, join us. And he's like, well, mm -hmm. I think I want to do a warlock. And they're like, okay, well, here... And he's looking at D&D &D Beyond. And it's like, well, here's the thousands of warlock options. And he's like, oh, okay. Well, I'll take this. Well, now you need to choose between all of these different spells. And he doesn't even realize that he yeah. had two spell slots a day. Because he doesn't understand how spell slots work yet. Yeah. And so he's choosing stuff. And I'm sure our DM will let him, rect you know, change anything oh. he wants if he's not having yep. fun. Uh, but I just see the confusion in his face a lot because <laughs> it's like, and now here's all of these, um, what is it? Uh, uh, the Eldritch Invocations. And that was like, well, what are these? And he's so confused mm -hmm. by him, you know? So 
I think we're already there because you start adding, you know, Xanathars and Tasha's and all of these other things and, and have it all on D and D beyond where it's a drop down menu. That's just way too big. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's a little daunting. I feel daunted when I'm like leveling up as my artificer now, because I have all of these weird options that I have to create and artificer infusions and stuff. And it's like, this is a lot. Or, or somebody says, hey, do you want to play a quick one-shot? You can make a 10th-level character. And then all of a sudden, you're like, well, let me go grab my five books because I can yeah, do Bolos, yeah. I can do Tasha's, I can do all this stuff. And you're like, oh, now I need my spell list, 10th-level spell list. Oh, yeah. my God, what am I going to do? Which kind of goes stuff, back to yeah. how I, I like viewing one-shots of, hey, I'm going to run this. Here's where you can, you know, here's the items that you can do. Uh, mm-hmm. But unfortunately, in D&D Beyond, it's hard to limit that where everybody sees everything, you know? And, and so yeah. they start choosing spells and they're like, I don't know, it's on D&D Beyond. It's like, well, what book is it from? I don't know. They're like, and oh, I feel okay. like I, I either read an article or I watched a video from somewhere that talked about D&D as it is, fifth edition, second edition, third edition, fourth edition, is not a, the books are not written in a way that somebody who has no idea about role-playing could pick that book up by themselves and teach themselves how to play this game has always been yeah. and which probably is why always will be something that has to be taught to you by somebody who already knows and the books are there to clarify or dig a little deeper once somebody has helped you understand what's going on and yeah. this is not a hobby that you just pick up on your own typically you have to have somebody help you get into and i think it. that's why the rise of podcasting and streaming really ignited this fire because like the game is good but not everybody had that weird uncle who was willing to right. teach you how to play D and yeah. so i never would have got into it unless a friend of mine was like hey like you should i'll i'll run a game for you and i'm like okay and we were like hooked i was like this is amazing i've never experienced this before now people can be like if you're interested go listen to the critical role or go do this and then all of a sudden they're like wow you know and that's the more I was listening to podcasts, the more I'm like, I'm going to learn how to play because, yeah. So, I, yeah, I don't know. Is that just RPGs, do you think? Or is that just uh, uh, D&D, yeah. I wonder? like, I think it's hard. Like, if, like if I never pick played up role-playing, monst- Powered by the Apocalypse, would I be able to read Monster no. of the Week and know how to do it? I Maybe don't not. know how to play I don't know. very well. Yeah, well- <laughs> like, yeah, only somebody who who knew how to play Powered by the Apocalypse could explain to me how moves work and when when moves should work and how a DM should handle it. Because mm-hmm. when I read it, I was like, what are they even talking about here on how, because it's so abstract. And it's yeah. so like, you can do anything. Well, that's the problem. I can do anything. And well, I'll pull the moon out of the sky. Well, you can't do that. <laughs> you know? yeah. It's like, well, wait a minute. What can I do? That's our go-to. Listening. We always kind of talk yeah. about that. Like. <laughs> I think so. That one's a tough one, too. Even though it's a trimmed down version of rules, when you do understand them, it's less rules than, say, Pathfinder 2E or Dungeons and Dragons. But still, just come at it from any. The only thing I could think of that you could play, I don't even think Numenera. There's some esoteric kind of things that Monty puts in his thing about how the pools work and how, you know, pushing things or adding things in that that I don't know if you're going to get until you see it in action or somebody kind of explains a good example to you with the book i think it's one of those things you have to have somebody who kind of knows it and understands it and then helps helps a person along to teach it the very basics and then the books help you master it help you understand it truly after you have some foundation from somebody showing you kind of what to do or how to do something yeah so i I don't know yeah and i mean that's a that's probably a lot of board games too because uh I'm yeah, trying to think of how many much. times I've gotten a board game and I have uh, read through the rule book and then we sat down and played it and then we got through a game, uh, you know, realizing we three did days three later you rerun it and you're like, oh, this <laughs> yeah. is completely different. Yeah. Um, yeah I'm actually thinking rule. back to like my middle school days when Pokemon the card game came out. And I loved Pokemon. I was in middle school. Like Pokemon's awesome. Pokemon's still awesome, guys. I'm playing. I'm playing. Oh, it's You're upstairs. Wearing a Zelda shirt. Sure. Yeah, I'm sorry, but I'm playing uh, Pokemon Emerald uh, as casually. It's just been a lot of fun because it's one of my favorites. But um, 
Pokemon the card game came out and we wanted to play it so bad. So we bought these cards. We kind of like sort of read through the rules and then we fought, but we didn't really understand how like evolution worked. And we're like, I don't know. And we had never played a card game before. Never played magic, never played anything like that. I don't understand what collectible card games are, but I know that this foil thing is probably better than your Pikachu. So I'm going to throw that down. And then it's like, well, can you do that? I think so. So we had no real idea how to play. Um, But that was like, like a lot of self-teaching, a lot of going to mm-hmm. the mall and finding other people playing and learning and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a shared experience. It's a shared learning hobby. And there are materials to help you dive deeper. But the I internet think helps a lot now. Have... Like, we didn't have that back back in... Yeah, well, the internet was there in middle school, to... but, like, yeah. being able to go to YouTube and watch somebody explain how... Pokemon Definitely. TCG works is really awesome. Yeah. So, or yeah. what that specific rule is. What does it mean when it says, like you just said that word that I didn't even recognize? You know, I was like, okay, yeah, what does yeah. that word mean in Pokemon? What does that word yeah. mean in, you know, what does trample mean in Magic the Gathering? Who, you know, what what could that possibly? Wait a minute. Mean? So I do what with the plumbus? Like, <laughs> what's up? Plum- anyway, so good. Uh, yeah, there's a new action called study. I'm sorry, yes. I'm just kind of going through this, but it's like when you take the study actions. action, you make an intelligence check to study your memory, a book, a creature, an object, mm-hmm. uh, and then you can get important information about it. Um, I think that's really cool, and I didn't know, like, they're they're kind of making, well, we, we knew this, they were talking about everything being an action, Mm-hmm. And uh, they even have like some social interactions in here where it's like, how does the creature's attitude is going to give you like a uh, disadvantage or something on certain checks or something. Like if they're hostile to you, you can't do this. Mm-hmm. Or if you make a check, it might sway it from hostile to indifferent or something. Um, it's kind of interesting in how the, uh, the responses are. I don't know. Like I, I, it seems cleaned up. I guess that's all I need to say. I've said it before. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I think they are going a little bit more in depth on things that were maybe worded a little vaguely. Um, so that allows us to get a better understanding of what they meant versus mm-hmm. us trying to figure out what did they mean. Because you always hear that term, rules as written, you know, because that term exists because so many rules were taken as interpreted or how we thought they wanted. And they're rules like, no, as no, no. intended versus the rule rules as written, as written yeah. is this, you know? So it's like, it's trying to kind of get a little bit to that. And I think, I think it's going to be more complex. I'm really interested to see how they organize all of this mm-hmm. and, and turn it into a new, how do we make our new characters? But I do like certain things, you know, like even just the way they put the you know ranger class group expert primary abilities and they they're kind of reorganizing the information in a way that's easier to get to your hit points are this you get spell casting at first level i mean that should be the big news right now is it sounds like rangers really getting the love and the attention that everybody's been screaming about or at least the people who thought ranger was broken which well, is the people who love Ranger, people. yeah, <laughs> yeah, have, um, have and I do. It. I, you know, I've played a few Rangers, and I, I've had fun with all of them. But uh, when you're in a party, uh, you know, I'm going to say this: a prime example right now is the difference between mid maxers and just kind of uh, regular players. I should say this, and uh, Ted Nerd Immersion Ted, he's my friend. I love him to death. He's mid-maxer. also a mid-maxer. He's he's a, he's he Call likes out. doing that. He doesn't think it's a bad word. I don't necessarily think it's a bad word, but no. like he enjoys playing with the mechanics of the game. Yes. And we get into fights and <laughs> Lagwin in Great Mode Ron March will pull out his lightsaber and like freaking do all this damage and take zero damage because he has shield and all this other stuff. And then I just feel really bad because then LB runs in there and she does her like one shot and it does some sneak attack damage, but it's not even near the level that Lagwin's doing. And so she's kind of like, I helped, but like, she doesn't care. She's having fun. But if you're that player who's like, you have a Lagwin in your party and you're a Beastmaster Ranger from 2014 PHB, you're probably looking at yourself like, what is happening? Like, so yeah. Um, This, so this is a tangent. But uh, I got a um, company contacted me, Draco Studios, to do uh, a review of their upcoming 5th edition setting, which I made a video about. And it's a, a, there's a mechanic in there where you kind of, like, fuse yourself with a dragon. 
And then your party can have this dragon that follows you around and grows with your party. And it's kind of cool. So you have this extension pet. Um, something that from that that I thought was really cool is you and your dragon's hit points are now combined and tied. So if the mm. so if I have 50 hit points and my pet has 50 hit points, we now have 100 hit points. If I get hit by something, that 100 goes down. So technically, mm -hmm. like, I could tank something and have 100 hit points and my dragon could never get hurt. Or if we're together in an AoE and my dragon takes 15 hit points and I take 15 hit points, then we collectively just took 30 hit points worth of damage because it's shared between us. Um, I want that for pets and five. Well, they're doing it for their 5e, but I like the idea sure. of that for a ranger. Like the pet ranger mm -hmm. should be like that way when you go down, your pet goes down. And that right. when your pet goes down, you go down. And instead mm -hmm. of this, like, oh, I got to track his hit points and all this other stuff. I was like, you guys need to just have combined hit points. It's so simple. And it seemed like it would just fix the ranger so good. Pet rangers, I should say. At least the but, pet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The pet land. That's, uh, that's my tangent. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I'm really excited about this. Uh, this is a lot better than, and a lot better response than the first one. And I know the yeah. first one was just... Um, everyone was complaining about critical hits and stuff, but I wonder if that was also intentional to get like the news going. So they're like, Oh, well I better see what they mess up this time around. Like, yeah. I think they're, they're playing us a little bit more than we think about. So that could be, well, and I like, even in the sticking with the Ranger thing here, they are talking about hunter's Mark being no longer a your spell. Bonus you action. already know. Yeah. And it's, and it doesn't uh, count against, yeah. and that's, that's been a big thing that they're going. It's back almost like an ability at. now. Yeah. how your bonus actions are being taken. Because if I did that, it really didn't allow me to do other abilities you gave me in the class that were bonus action-based. Yeah. And in my game, where I am a min-maxing Aarakocra, Arcane Archer, Slash, Cleric, who has Sharpshooter on his bow, but wants to put Hunter's Mark out on something. I was like, yeah, I got Hunter's Mark off of an ability off my weapon because my DM recognized that if he gave me just the spell, it would be a bonus action spell. I would never use it because I have 8 million other things I'm using my bonus action for, like f double fighting or you know, you swinging two swords and getting a third sword in or, or use my bonus action to cast one of my clerical bonus action spells or I have um, you know, channel divinity stuff or all these things that might take that bonus action. But I have to have Hunter's Mark out there so it's like this, it was just a terrible choice. And he made that kind of house table rule or um, magic to, like, that make allowed it, fun. it. Yeah. And the weapon has the concentration. That was the other thing. It uh, has concentration. Kind of cool. So if you wanted Hunter's Mark, not only did you have to use your bonus action, you had to use your concentration up as a ranger. That was Well, killer. and that's not, to me, that's not a huge deal. Oh, but it killer. is when you start thinking about a lot of the ranger spells are concentration because right. you want to... You don't have a lot of spell slots. So you're like, mm -hmm. I want a longer lasting ability. And so all of a sudden it's like, well, I can't use, uh, I'm trying to think of like Zephyr Strike, or I can't use this. Right. Like all of these cool things you want to do because you are concentrating on Hunter's Mark and that's frustrating. Yeah. So. And I think I think Rogue would have ran into some of that too. I think there are ones that are bonus action heavy classes yeah. that may have had a feature that was so good you could, there's no way you couldn't use it. So that always took your bonus action up, which left you never really using the other stuff that they gave you an option for, because you, you mm -hmm. just can't give up the 1d6 of dice, or you can't just give up knowing where your opponent is or something like that. So they're definitely looking at it. So I think that's interesting that they're going back and they're trying to really look at action economy, really look at the bonuses you're getting and how your class is going to kind of synergize with those things. And it seems like more, so I feel like, complication is is moving upward but i feel like it is too stuff that i'm gonna really enjoy playing and all of it was like ooh, can i play with this in my character right now in my campaign because that sounded pretty good mm -hmm. like all, all the in, in our chat for our game for dungeon of the mad mage there was a bunch of our guys saying "Ooh, i really like how two weapon fighting works now oh look at light weapons and how that works yeah oh let's look I, at this I like yeah that. i really like uh i really like the thief in this for some reason because it yeah. made me feel like a an original uh thief from um like osc or or uh, bxd mm -hmm. uh the fact that you can use any spell scroll um and you just have that ability to cast spell scroll from a spell scroll. So you don't have any innate magic, but I can cast from a scroll that mm -hmm. opens up a whole myriad of things where it's like, okay, I actually want to be that intelligent thief, 
that uh, is all about stealing magic items and stuff. And they have, uh, you can get up to four attuned magic items at level 10. Um, you get an extra bonus action at level 14 where you can only use it to do dash disengage, but like, it's still very like, I mean, bonus actions are awesome and you have to, you only get one. And a lot of times it's like, if I had two bonus actions, I could stack so many things. Um, and so this way it's like, you're not missing out on the dashing or disengaging when you want to use that other action for whatever reason. So I don't know. I'm excited. We should probably talk about something else though, too, but (laughs) I I think it was good. I, this is very positive from my point of view, I guess. And so I, I don't feel like this is, uh, this is not a jump from three third edition to fourth edition kind of changes. They, they are very happy with the direction fifth edition is going and they're going to move it forward. So I think that's, so you're saying this is, from what I've heard you just said, you think this is more of a 5.5 E? If we're going to call six. it that, yeah. I think I think the basics, more is what the basics of 5th edition, you know, action, bonus action, like a lot of the words are, they feel cleaned up rather than a whole new edition. Here's new. And, and with uh, AD&D 2nd edition and this one, you know, we, they went from a roll under d20 to a roll over a lot of abilities were percentile based they all changed that to a d20 so like that felt like a big jump as well um but this doesn't feel like a big jump so and the magic even the spell list you get to the bottom and they reorganize the spell list into arcane spell lists yeah um and so now all of a sudden it's not just here's your druid list here's your mage your wizard list here's your sorcerer list it's you go and pick from the divine spell grouping that gives you a lot more options than you had before if you get a spell casting ability that lets you choose from one of these larger groupings so that is a subtle but but big change to creating characters all of a sudden too because you could you could have felt really constrained on what you could pick where this kind of opens up a lot of that so even that pete primal spells and these things so i'm curious to see i think what we should do is when there's not news like for next week's show pick one or two items out of here that just seem interesting and talk about those items and then we'll just talk about one you know one item here or there as we go until they give us the next one which is the next big release of stuff because this is so big you can't even use one show to cover it all i mean there can't even be one video to cover it all let alone ted did a four-hour live stream so yeah (laughs) ted ted would try (laughs) i was like he was like hey if you if you're bored while you're sick you could watch my four-hour live stream i'm like you didn't stream oh my god you did you streamed for four (laughs) hours on this topic but he that's his shtick you know he went into it so um but i yeah i guess what i wanted to come away with is i i'm very positive about this i think it's really cool and you guys got to remember that you can always play the older stuff like I know it's kind of, uh, I'm, I'm working on a video now where I'm like, you don't need somebody to like, like we don't need somebody to convert curse of Strahd or I should say Ravenloft into curse of Strahd. So I can play it for fifth edition, just play that, but use whatever rules you want. And I like this idea of like, if I want to run an Eberron game, I could run it with monster of the week. If I do enough tweaking it, yeah, it might be more work, but like, you don't need other people to do it for you. So. It is more, I've run some 2E modules inside my 5E campaign because I enjoyed the storyline, the Mm -hmm. stuff that was set out. And yes, I did have to do work on converting the monsters and converting a few of the magic item things. But once I got that done and it didn't take me too long, I was able to run a very fun, cool, you know, second edition adventure inside my fifth edition campaign that worked just great. You know, just, and and I've used non stuff i've used like numenera adventures yeah. in my 5e yeah <laughs> so it's yeah. fun uh and that was kind of my point is like i'm doing that with great modron march now and it's uh we're having a lot of fun so yeah. um i am behind on mcdm's arcadias i don't think i've read oh, 19 no. and i might not have read 18 um oh, my Lord. but what's going on with arcadia so I saw Arcadia 20 was out. I saw Matt Coville had posted about it, and it has a shield bearer fighter subclass in it that sounded pretty cool with lots of shield-type things and effects to make you feel like a, a real strong shield fighter, which I don't think you get in 5e without yeah. 
dipping into feats. You have to get defeats to make you you feel like you can. Which do the some fighter really cool gets a lot shield. of feats because uh, my yeah. my uh, warforged was a shield centric kind of uh, yeah. fighter, and that's but. if your DM allows the optional rule of feats. Because if you're playing just five e as the rules are, feats aren't necessarily in that. It's an optional rule. So you, you know, I think most games use them, but. Not everybody uses them. I've played a few games where there's been no feats, so it's been interesting. They added in more interesting NPCs to add to your game, and then a secret organization for you to use that sounded pretty cool. Um, so just a nice little grouping I like that. of different like, things. Here's, here's an organization. You can put it in any city. Like Those yeah. are invaluable to me. So Yeah, little cool. I, I feel like this is the kind of Dungeons & Dragons magazine, the Dragon magazine the, yeah. that I, I want and wish we had back from the 80s and 90s when there were magazines out doing, you know, Dungeons and the other one was Dragon. And those yeah. were two great magazines that you could flip through and just find some little small tidbit that you loved in it. Because the one that uh, Wizards of the Coast made, which was Dragon Plus, right? Dragon Plus, yeah. And they got rid of that pretty much, I think, because they bought D&D Beyond and they're like, this does exactly what we need dragon plus to do um like we can put up articles on it and things like that but that was not nearly as helpful as some of those older dragon no. magazines i like, still those have my so old cool. dragon oh, magazines yeah. that i love to flip through and there's all kinds i've got of scans stuff. of just about all of them because they're fun yeah. and they're full of lore like there was a whole like mm-hmm. you know they just be like hey uh keith baker tell us something cool about um eberron and he's like oh okay and he'd like write an article for him and it wouldn't have any monster stats it would just be mm-hmm. like here's what's going on in this region of the world i'm like that's so cool yeah or it'd be so. like hey you ever hear of star elves here's star yeah. elves yeah. you can add this to your campaign there's like a whole thing on these brand new elves that you'd never heard of so yeah i always liked lore um, articles usually it was new mechanics new tables new rollable tables they would have adventures in their small adventures they have oh, feel monsters bad. every now and then yeah the last arcadia i bought was 14 i'm way oh, behind, no. <laughs> way behind. <laughs> i can't wait till he binds these into a giant book though like, like an anthology i want i, think I want the anthology cool. like so yeah, bad that'd be cool because it's really great lots of work looks good yeah. lots of great authors quality. like yeah that'd be uh cool. yeah that's chili dog did you see chili there hey chili, chili dog that's the new puppy not she's Oscar. pretty cute. It's chilly. Oscar, um, she's she's ruling the roost though, because that's Oscar's yeah. pillow, and she's kicked Oscar out of that pillow several oh, no. times. Uh, mostly because Oscar is just old man dog, and he's like, I don't care, and so he mm-hmm. like wanders over, and there's another pillow over there that he sleeps at, but he's like, the I was like, pillow. that's his spot, dog. What are you doing? <laughs> that's <laughs> so. awesome. Um, other than that, for our Paizo fans out there, our um, Pathfinder 2E fans, we've already mentioned a little bit, I noticed that um, one thing that might be exciting for a lot of people, and I know they probably already know about it, but I'll mention it, Kingmaker, which was a really popular adventure path for Pathfinder 1, is coming to Pathfinder 2E. So they are doing a converted version to Pathfinder 2E, and you should look at the cover art on it because it looks really good. Um, so you can do Kingmaker Adventure, which is one of the really cool big ones that are nice. out there. Plus, there's a video game on it and all that. So it's one of their most Yeah, it was like, is, I think that was on my Steam sale the other day. So Yeah. So I thought that was really cool. They also announced this week they were doing their May 2023 announcements. They were putting some stuff out on their webpage, on their Twitter, and during some of their live streams that they do because they've been doing some weekly live stream stuff. And so what they have coming out is an adventure called the... N- and Minity cycle, I hate that word. They said it might change. The name still might change. Uh, for Pathfinder 2E, that's an adventure coming out. And Starfinder has Ports of Call coming out in May of 2023. So, so they're starting to tell us a little bit about the stuff that's going to be coming out next summer already. And I'm sure they'll release more of that. So more books coming for Pathfinder 2E. Kingmaker looks like a very interesting one. This one is a large adventure that is really about do you want your group to become embroiled in the creation of something that you could codify as like a kingdom like are they going to have a barony or a kingdom or a you know world kind of owning land owning kind of um adventure where you start from scratch and you kind of build up so if that's the type of campaign you would love to run and, and be a part of kingmaker is kind of the pathfinder version of that and soon to be pathfinder 2e version of it which is interesting and i'll probably buy 
the Pathfinder 2E version because I'm still super into 2E at the moment. Yeah, you made a I'm character, right? Like you were talking yeah, we about you characters. want me to make a character with you. That'd be fun. I do. I, I yeah. was thinking you and, and we get, get a few of our other players that are, are have played other systems like our o, o, OSR group of people yeah, yeah. that we kind of play with and say, all right, let me run you through this the way the book reads it. And then <laughs> Our give Jordan forces after. them to play Invisible Sun group. Is that That's what you're referring to? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Forces yeah. is not the right word. We had a lot of fun with that, yeah. but yeah. No, we like to test those things out, and I thought it was a fun. And I think it was interesting, and I'd like to hear some opinions after you go through it and say, okay, I did my thing, I did my thing, here I'm at the end. Now here's my my notes. Here's my cliff notes. This was cool. Yeah. I don't understand this. Why is the, you know, that kind of stuff. So I think it'd be fun. Um so I'm excited about that. I'm still reading deeply into those books. They're right here next to me. So anytime I get a break, I just grab one of them and start flipping through it again. Yeah. And I love them. I've, I've I just got them. Planescape books up the wazoo because ah. this is all I've been reading for, for adventure prep and stuff for Modron yeah. March. Well, let's so. get to what Jordan has been playing. Well, you said you canceled, but you got some. Uh, did you yeah, so we've got, uh, we've got two episodes out. Um, and the first episode was kind of a uh, silly um, get them out of Sigle, and I, I ran pungent. the pungeon, which was fun. <laughs> so the actual episode two was kind of the start of the adventure, and they arrive in Arcadia, and we had a lot of fun going through there, but all the Modrons are spilling out of the gate of Mechanus into the city of Arcadia, which is on the Outlands, for those of you who are Planescape uh um, fluent. Well, so when you say spilling out, you mean in an orderly fashion. Oh they're yeah, walking they're walking in rows. They're <laughs> walking. In, it's very, it's very militaristic as they come marching out at a slow pace. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, my players are high level, and I kind of knew that they would probably take high level things. And so they were like, well, how do we get through the gate to talk to Primus? And I was like, well, I kind of thought you were going to do this. And the adventure doesn't have anything about them talking to the head of the Modrons, which is this deity-like creature called Primus that nobody really... Like, Primus doesn't interact with a lot of other creatures, and Primus specifically controls Modrons. Like, yeah. he's there's a Modron hierarchy, and he's literally the top Modron. Yeah. And so, you have to make an appointment with the first level of Modron. And then after you talk to that Modron, you yeah. have to make an appointment with the next level of Modron. Yeah. That's how you talk. And to they Primus. all are like scheduled three to four months yeah. out. And so it's, it's going to take you levels. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's exactly make it as corporate as possible. <laughs> I've been having a lot of fun. They had to do a bunch of uh, questionnaires and stuff to get into Arcadia. Yes. It was really funny yeah. uh, for me, I guess I was like, I'm enjoying this. Um, but they, so they decided to push through the portal um, against the like waves of Modrons and they got through um, and on the other side they were in Mechanus and they're like okay and so they kind of like walked around they talked to a gnome they got a little bit more information on like what Mechanus is and I think they all realized that like oh Primus doesn't like run this whole plane he's just like an aspect of it and I was like oh yeah, yeah. like there's other creatures there's other deities and stuff this is the afterlife for a lot of creatures the Modrons are just this weird byproduct of law kind of a thing and they're like oh so then they go marching up and they're just like well we want to see Mech your Primus and I'm like no <laughs> like the guards are just like you're not doing that and they're like okay mm -hmm. and then lb said well i am primus so you should let me in and she lied and lying is against the law and so then we had mm -hmm. a, a fight <laughs> so uh because she uh oh, i use these really high level monsters called maroots that are kind of like military modrons like they're super like they're like cr22 like they're and mm -hmm. i had two of them there because nice. they were the guards for primus you know and they don't roll to hit because they're like so lawful. It's just like, no, you take this much damage. Like there's no dodging it. And it's like, what? So uh, poor LB took 60 damage. And then because they can attack twice, she took another 60 damage and went down. And then the other one uh, teleported her body somewhere. And we don't know where it is. Um, so for those of you who watch my game prep things on... Tuesday night when I was starting to feel pretty sick, <laughs> I decided mm -hmm. to run a game prep. Um, and we, I wasn't going to do like a courtroom thing, but then the more we were talking, I was trying to talk myself out of it. The more I'm like, I think that would be the funniest thing. So I have a Long courtroom sc scenario and I think I'm going to make um, the other party members like 
her lawyers and they have to like fight for her and stuff. And this will work out because unfortunately LB's going to be gone on our next one. So I might have her like encased in carbonite or something and they have to like fight on her behalf, but she's not allowed to talk. Or something. Would, he, he, so, here's an idea, but could yeah. you go with your idea, but here's this idea. What if you go through the whole court thing and you make it as complicated, as a lot of questions as possible about your crime. And at the end of it, she's found guilty for lying which is breaking the law and she must pay one gold piece as the punishment exactly but the, the like, thing is yeah that you go through all this anguish and all this red tape only to find out you have to yeah. pay a gold and she's like i would have just Don't paid it, it to begin with kind of a thing <laughs> right. yeah 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 but just to sink that in that that's how bureaucratic this is and exactly. i like what you said yeah primus doesn't run mechanist yeah. But he certainly makes sure it doesn't stop running. Yeah. <laughs> this is the yeah. way I would that, think. I mean, yeah. no, yeah, it's like this is all part of the process. Yeah. You got to follow the law, you know. Yeah. So, uh, but that. we're having a lot of fun with it, um, and it's going to be cool. So I think uh, I think we are going to go that route. And I've been kind of uh, in the game prep. We prepped a bunch of stuff. Um, the game prep stream, and if you want to catch those, I'm trying to make them a regular time, but I mm-hmm. am finding that I just can't. I can't commit to a, another specific time slot. So yeah, it just uh, has to be when you can. Yeah. It has to be when I can. So I would say uh, it's it's on the main channel. Turn on notifications or watch the chat, and I'll try to be like ten minutes before. Like, hey, I'm going to do this. Otherwise, they're do still you post up for out a to Twitter. You, I think you um, normally post out to Twitter. I actually. normally do. I don't think I did the last one because I just forgot, but yeah. I, I normally will. So. Yeah. Um, but those are a lot of fun because people can just kind of like I like game prep streams where it's people are just like, well, I like this idea. Somebody had a really funny name like you should name the NPC this. I was like, yes, that's great. <laughs> yes, it works. Um, so you have uh, a red but, stapler bit in there is what I'm. Thinking. Oh, of there course, has to be a red stapler bit somewhere. <laughs> of course. Um, and then I have my Black Company game, which has been a lot of fun, and we are currently we leveled up to seven, and we got. Um, we were able to commission a magic item, which is not something I've done in a game before. So uh, our DM just said, find any rare magic item or less. And that's part of your reward is you can have it commissioned. And I was like, oh. And so like, you know, us min-maxers are like flipping through the book. Like, oh, what a magic item we're going to get. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I found one and he's like, okay, it'll be ready in like two or three weeks or whatever. They'll, they're working on it. And I'm like, that's great. Uh, so it's kind of cool because you can even customize your character more how you want in that way. Right. And I like that rather than just rolling randomly. You know, I'm a big fan of rolling randomly, but like it's mm-hmm. kind of one of those things. Uh, so we're fighting other guilds. I'm not entirely sure what's prepared for tomorrow, but we are playing tomorrow. So that'll be a lot of fun. Sounds cool. I love the whole idea of the black. I like I, I really, there's all these really, rival really... guilds like we're part of yeah. one. We just I... got some uh, territory that's adjacent to a rival guild which is like good and bad because we can now spy on them easier but they know we can so they're like putting up barricades it's been a lot of fun to like uh it's a lot of information though i'm having a hard time tracking like is it the black tips or the dark arrows Mm -hmm. or is it the dark tips and the black you know kind of a thing like i get confused but uh really fun i need i need to just take better notes honestly because nathan's making a a fabulous campaign it's been a lot of fun (laughs) I really think at the end of it, when it's all said and done, we have to have them on the show to say, okay, let's deep dive into how this went, what you set up, what you were oh, doing yeah. with it. I'm sure you'd love stuff. to talk about it. I have a million questions about I'm sure he'd love a to Black talk Company about campaign. It. I love Black Company books so much. Glenn Cook, if you guys And he does know. too. That's why it's all yeah. like he was basing it on. It, I have read like, these. these, books are these great. are the ones I probably read 10 different times the same book. I just pick it up every two years and then reread the thing. I love it so much. Black Company's great. So I love that. All right, so you're playing tomorrow, but these aren't streamed or anything. These are just you guys. Oh are no, it's just hanging at out. his house playing. Regular, it's a lot of fun at the table with yeah. dice. He's got all his nice. miniatures and stuff. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, he loves the terrain. He buys a lot of the Dwarven Forge stuff, so he builds all these really elaborate things for us to play through and things. And it's just fun. Like I don't know. Like yeah. Like, and this is Nathan, who I picked up at uh, the game store. And I was like, you guys seem cool. I'm tired of playing with randos at the game store. Do you want to come to my house? And they're like, okay. And he's just dived in and started. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, he started buying terrain and all Mm -hmm. this other stuff. And now he's got, you know, just as many books as I do and all of these things. Is he the one 3D printing too? Or is that different? Yeah, he's got the 3D printer. So so he 3D prints our Hero Forge miniatures. Your heroes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's really good. 
Uh, what about you? How's how's Dungeon of the Mad Mage? Dungeon of the Mad Mage went pretty well because we had skipped before just like uh, a week ago, and then we did play this week, this Tuesday, and we able to fight a really cool, and again, spoilers for anybody that is playing Dungeon of the Mad Mage, but you've known this since I've been keep talking about it. We ran into a cool ambush of Lava Children, which I remember Lava Children from the, I believe it was the Fiend Folios, the first place I remember seeing like artwork on them and thinking, oh, these things are weird and cool and awesome. And so when they pop up all of a sudden again, it was like, oh, super nostalgic. They're not like, I don't think, those rules. They're very different, I think, in in 5e. Oh, they were in 1st edition and 5th edition. That's it. That's so funny. maybe I'm thinking of them in first edition, but I remember just really iconic artwork of No, it, that's children. probably the Fiend Folio, yeah. Yeah, so, so very cool. Oh, Siren, you guys oh, hear Siren. Siren. <laughs> There's a Siren. Yeah. Boy, you know your books. Fiend Folio first edition. That was their first appearance. Well, that was my favorite, favorite book. I must have yeah. gone through Fiend Folio a million times. I love that book the most. I think it's the most best art all, of all time. <laughs> As we have a nice uh, Siren going on in the background. Oh, the Midwest. I, you know, my my other Midwest friends and family have sirens randomly. It's just funny. Um, well, it's not random. Are, it's every first yeah. Saturday of the month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to test it for whatever reason. Yeah. yeah see if they are native it, to the fountains of creation. That's cool. So what? Oh, yeah. I guess we have to wait for a little bit longer. So Jordan has to talk, talk, tell some stories. Um, yeah. So I've been reading... Uh, what have I been reading besides Planescape books? I think that's about it. Lots of really good Planescape books. Well, have you ever have you ever encountered Lava Children before? Have you ever seen them or looked them up? No. I, this is the first time I've seen them. I don't even know what's, what book they're in for 5e. Yeah, what's interesting about them, hopefully this guy shuts the siren off pretty soon, so I do apologize. <laughs> but, uh, because, like, one guy will do it, and he there must be a button in the, in the room, and he leans on it. He's like, I'm going to do this test for 20 minutes. And then another person will go... Just like a click, it'll run around once and they're done. They're like, I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> this guy loves it. Or I don't know who it is. But here's an interesting thing about Lava Children was they have this property that metal doesn't touch them. So when our Warforge tried to fight them with their magic sword, that's a metal magic sword, uh-huh. was not able to hit them. I thought that was an interesting kind of thing. Yeah to have a creature that is can't be struck by you know a certain material type and it happens to be a material type that all your players are running around with and even though even if it was magic it didn't work that's what i thought i was like but even yeah that's the way now he could have ruled it that way i don't know if that's the actual way it's written in the lava children or not but if it was made from metal it does not hit the lava the lava child so i thought oh wow yeah metal immunity they can move through metal without hindrance and it has advantage on any creatures wearing metal or using a metal shield. That's kind of cool. Yeah, and we have a Warforge. So then we had the discussion of, we always have the discussion of, what's the Warforge made out of? Oh, yeah, yeah. You have to have, yeah, it's really loud. This is crazy. <laughs> um, no, that's crazy because, yeah, you talk about that a lot with, like, um, the heat metal spell on a Warforged, for example. Yeah, like, what was like, your Warforge made from? How did you guys go through the whole idea of what it's made from and how spells affected you? Yeah, so originally it was a combination of, uh, uh, originally seven was um, almost like a, a stone because that was back when it was, your AC was just this if you were a Warforged. There was no wearing armor. So we had my body be like a combination of stone and tree roots and stuff. And it was kind of like, I looked like a mechanical golem almost. And there were probably Mm -hmm. like metal parts or something. And then later on when um, Wayfinders uh, altered and the actual Eberron book came out, we changed his stats to match those. And then I just took some um, plate armor and then you like graft the plate armor to you. So I was kind of like uh, Uh. Alphonse from... uh, yeah full metal alchemist is kind of how i looked at it so that's interesting yeah because i think they're described with you know leathers and and there could even be wood or there could be you know different parts of metal i was thinking almost like a ceramic or a material that maybe yeah ceramics yeah is the way i would have kind of went like it's a it's some type of alloy and that's what i meant by stone like i kind of thought it was like that yeah very much so that isn't necessarily iron or you know those but i thought it was interesting to throw something at your players that all of a sudden your weapon just goes right through the creature and it doesn't seem to work. It just phases through. 
good thing for us is uh, I got a magic item that was given to me. That's my bow. And it's made from, you know, this elven bow that's made from an elven special tree that grows in a forest, a special forest. But it splits into scimitars that allows me to fight with two scimitars. And I handed one to our warforce so he could fight. It was a cool moment of, here's a wooden scimitar that works just great. And it has all kinds of magical bonuses to it. So oh, that's kind of cool. Go to town. Yeah. <laughs> so it was cool to, you know, bring those things in and just, you know, don't underestimate the coolness of describing the items you give to your players, especially like your magic items and things you give to them, because it could come up at any time that it might be something relevant. So when you give them that bow, take some time to figure out what does it look like? What is it made from? Give it a little background history or something, because there's just some point where something could pop up and you could go, Oh, wait, it's from this place. Isn't this guy from the place my bow is from? And it's like a connection you never would have known was going to happen, but did because all of a sudden you threw this little tidbit out there of here's the sword and it's made from this stone and this whatever and this, you know, just something cool. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. our, our uh, black company, one of our players has a crystal rapier. And Perfect. he's very, very like adamant that it's like, no, it's made of crystal. It's this like... Yeah purple hue-ish kind of like carved crystal and it's like okay yeah. so he didn't went right he would have went to town on them lava children He'd been yeah <laughs> He'd been I, great, so I i'm gonna cool. start doing this monsters that are immune to a specific substance i like that yeah. a lot that's kind of cool yeah so we had a lot of fun in there um i think we're getting pretty close to the end of this level so i'm imagining Maybe next session or the session after that, we'll be going deeper. So if you're ready to go deeper with us on Tuesday night um, to see what the next levels are, because I feel like we're making, we're at the point where probably most groups have said, you know what, we've been dungeon diving for so long. We don't want to do this anymore. Can we play a different campaign or can we go play some other adventures or something? But right. we're sticking with it. Like we're, we're, we're so far in now that we're like, we're not finishing until we get to the bottom of this thing. So we're going all the way through it. And it's been a long time, just dungeon diving, dungeon diving, dungeon diving. So we play on roll 20. We play so you can see the, the, how the lighting and the, and the um, shadows work. And when people can't see very well, or they can, and miniatures moving on cool maps and um, all the dice rolls are there and stuff. So it's really fun to go through that. We are kind of a min maxer group though. So if you do come watch us, be prepared for some, min maxi characters trying to make their way through the dungeon of the mad mage but it is fun um and i'm loving this that my character is just so much fun playing the the aarakocra yeah you've been having Twilight a lot of fun of it it's cool arcane archer she gets so. some art commissioned we, well we did minis so one of our guys spends hours building our minis on a hero forge nice and then my artwork would definitely just be anything that looks like moon knight just superimpose it that's basically yeah. what i tell my characters i was uh it. I was thinking I, I want to get some art commissioned for some of my characters, some of my favorite mm -hmm. characters, and then have uh, the character and then print out the last sheet that, that I had for them and kind of make like a little collage. And then maybe like, I don't know, I could put like a, 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 like the adventures that he went on or something. It would be kind yeah, of fun. I'm gonna like I want to build like a remember the character you played yeah, kind of a thing. Cool. Like, yeah, a collage would be yeah. Cool. Controversial. Here's a hot take from Lucian. I'm I keep looking at that AI generated concept art thing that a lot of people. Did mess I, I with. sent now, you I know stuff, it's got the I? artists. Yeah. I sent you more stuff. Oh, okay. <laughs> Gotta look yet. at that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it was like, it's getting cooler and cooler and cooler. And I watched the corridor crew YouTube channel do something really cool with theirs. And I was like, Oh my God, Jordan, we should be doing this with our characters. This well, yeah. Well, I want to know, I want to know how you described the cliff. Because I want right, to start putting that in there. Exactly. I started yeah, I generating cliff that. covers, and I was like, "Oh, yeah. this will be cool." Yeah. So. We should do that. We should pick a time when you're just goofing around and see if we yeah. can come up with something. Cool. Well, maybe tonight. I'm just. And gonna, I'm not saying for yeah. all you artists out there that are really. I know there's a big hot topic about is this a good thing or a bad thing, but I just for somebody who can't do art to be able to generate something by saying these are the words I want to use and this yeah. is the the image or the the style or the genre I want it to be, and then this computer program makes it for me so that i can just have satisfaction in that that's cool i'm not trying to sell it i get all the other problems with it but it's cool to be non-artistic but to be able to get something artistic from what i'm saying or what i want to get created so that's kind of cool my little version of it very so. cool but wow show goes by so quick doesn't it when you have a lot to talk about it does and i uh have to go run and pick up my family so i'm gonna go do that yeah, we lunch 
Um, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much for watching and hanging out. We'll be back. Uh, we won't. I won't. I will be in Seattle next week. We don't have a oh. show. I'll be gone Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So I will probably stream a video game then because I had a okay. lot of fun last Saturday streaming. I jumped back into World of Warcraft. Wow, for the first yeah, you're playing Vanilla WoW or four years, five years? No, I jumped into retail. Okay, but they were just dropping uh, Wrath of the Lich King, so I guess I should have jumped into Classic because that's where everybody else was. I was in the other one. I was like, but that's I wanted funny. to play. the The idea of it was I haven't been back in five years. I think. And I wanted to go through and play content or expansions I'd never seen or touched before. Mm-hmm. So I'm creating a character from scratch, and I'm I'm going to the places that I never had done anything before. So that's and it's it was really fun to go in and just see some of the cool things. And I'm really loving the character and having a lot of fun taking my that's time cool. jamming through it. I've been playing a lot of uh, No Man's Sky. I finished Octopath Traveler, Somewhere. and now I'm playing No Man's Is Sky. That on your Steam Deck or on your? Oh computer? yeah, so good. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. You building big bases? Um, and, uh, I started building a base. Ships. I actually have been trying to. I, I found a derelict ship, and I've spent the last mm-hmm. like two days repairing the ship. But no, it's I such an it. addictive game. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. Like no one's so, cool so good. Um, okay, guys, we'll be out of here. I'll see you uh, in two weeks. Uh, be sure to hang out with Lucian on Twitch. And goodbye, everybody.